This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. I'm happy to welcome our distinguished guest today, Joanna Bloor. Joanna's mission is to help us prepare for the big leap into the working future. Joanna spent her early career scaling and building brands like Ticketmaster, OpenTable, and Pandora. Known for building teams, infrastructure, and revenue strategies, Joanna did so in environments where there were no rule books, no precedence of how things should be done. Her new journey led to a fateful conversation in line at the TED 2016 conference that planted the idea that every one of you is awesome and that we just need to tell everyone else. Thank you, Joanna, for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So as you know, it takes a lot to be a successful entrepreneur and business acumen is key. But we rarely talk about the psychological challenges that women often face to achieve that success. I prefer I've, um, I refer to these as those negative and sometimes persistent thoughts that create doubt, undermine success, and destroy self-confidence and risk-taking. Can you tell us, Giovanna, a little bit about, I'm sorry, Joanna, a little bit about your colorful history and the seismic shift you experienced moving from the UK to the US with your family when you were a young teenager? I can imagine that it might have been difficult at first to be the outsider with a fabulous accent. <laughs> that, was, um, that was really the big shift in my life when you think about all of the conversations one has in one's head about being an entrepreneur and moving forward that really taught me at a very young age that nothing was actually super scary. Uh, just to give your listeners a little background, I, at 15, moved from um, southern England to central Texas. And just to frame it a little bit visually, I describe it as from going to school at a place that was basically like Hogwarts without boys or magic to Friday Night Lights. And all of the delightful stereotypes that existed there and while I absolutely didn't have the language for it at the time, and there was also a ton more going on that impacted this, what I learned very quickly was that all of the rules I thought were the rules, other than the don't hurt somebody or um, don't be mean, mm -hmm. which are kind of the same thing, no longer applied. And that I had to learn an entirely new rule book for everything from building relationships to dating to being a student to language, although technically we spoke the same language, mm -hmm. we did not, um, to everything in between. And while it was <laughs> constantly terrifying because I made a spectacular number of mistakes, um, <laughs> some of them were hilarious and some of them were not so hilarious um it really built the muscle of experimentation empathy 
understanding my audience, understanding how important relationships were to me in such a way that um, a normal 15-year-old I don't think would because at 15 you're just trying to figure out who you are. Um, and figuring out who you are in a world of spectacular ambiguity was was kind of an added stress. Now, lucky for me, I thought everything about Texas was hysterically funny most of the time. <laughs> and I had also been spectacularly lucky in getting a ridiculously good education in the UK and so was able to skate a tiny bit at the beginning, mm-hmm. which gave me the room to experiment with who is it I wanted to be and and what was I going to do. And that lesson um, has really followed me throughout my entire life and has made me much more excited to lean into ambiguity and to be equally empathetic about the fact that the people that I'm talking to might have a different perspective or a different language. Mm -hmm. um, And that, building something new from the ground up is super fun um, and means that you get to decide who you want to be and what you're all about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For the difficult times, were there any? And if so, how did you kind of learn? Did you just skate by on that too? And if so, what what have you sort of brought into your life um, from that period? Well, I mean, this is what I think is true about everything. Is it, you know, there were absolutely difficult times then, um, you know, my my dad stayed in the UK. Most of my dad and my entire network stayed in the UK, including my older sister, who was very much a part of my guide in how to navigate life. So I suddenly became the big sister. But I would also say that wasn't just as a teenager. Um, you know, when you move into adulthood and suddenly realize that the only person you could truly rely on is you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You go through those same stages. And I am, I openly admit that while I had a lot of fun and did okay, I was a bit of a mess for the first Mm -hmm. five Mm -hmm. years of my twenties because I was just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And when you have that limitation of, can I pay rent um, how am I going to put food on the table? All of the, the what I call the Maslow's hierarchy of needs things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they can be fantastically distracting and in many, many ways. And it means that you have less comfort with, A, really leaning into who you are and what you're all about, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I know lots of people talk about in authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and how important it is. I'm not sure that's the right word, but being true to yourself, you're you're in kind of a state of fear all the time. Right. Um, but once you get out of that, then that same leaning into ambiguity professionally. So you you mentioned in my introduction that I worked with a lot of startups. I was a self-described startup junkie for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to go through four IPOs, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but every single one of them required me to experiment, color outside the lines, meet people who didn't think the same way that I did, all of those sorts of things. And I don't think there was ever one time that that voice in my head didn't go, have you lost your mind? (laughs) What are you doing? 
Um, and quite frankly, people around me who would say, have you lost your mind? What are you doing? And the almost, I don't want to be overdramatic here, but the battle you rage, that rages in your head between your desire and ambition to color outside the lines, to be different, to really lean into where you're being called forward and the judgment monster who goes, no, how dare you? Absolutely not. They are going to judge you is, is a, a battle I have waged. Well, I think most of my life, but I think it's also a battle everybody wages their entire life. Mm -hmm. But I still, I had, I had the conversation with myself this weekend and woke up Monday morning and was like, okay, we are back on the future. You, we are going to tap into the ambition and Mm -hmm. the don't be a jerk message is always there, but Mm -hmm. otherwise keep plodding forward. So you get back on track by encouraging yourself to look forward. Oh yes. There's an enormous amount of self chat Mm -hmm. about, um, who could the future you be if you said yes to her? always a lot of self chat i'm also a big 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 fan of mathematics and science Mm -hmm. um it's a novel concept these days Mm because i i learned the other day that the amygdala Mm -hmm. is wired to be 70 percent negative Mm -hmm. which when i got math and science thrown at me that way i was like oh well hang on a second that means that 70% of the chit-chat that's coming in my own, own head to me, because that's what the amygdala, amygdala does, right, mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is negative. And ergo, I'm being a jerk to myself 70% of the time, so I need to make an <laughs> effort to be nice to myself at least an extra 20% of the time to make up, so at least I'm in an even playing field. Mm-hmm, like, I think the, the jerk can be helpful and it also could be hinderous, but it, it should be, int- one should be intentful about how one talks to it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whether you listen. And so I'm super active almost every day in telling my own self how much of a genius I am and how much of a good idea something is, mm-hmm. which sounds makes me sound, see, listen to you, this is the judgment monster coming out almost immediately going, oh my God, Joanna, I can't believe you just said that about yourself. You're a genius. And I'm like, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. But I also come back and say, like the, why I am obsessed with this idea of the future you and why I do the work that I do is so often we allow that voice to say, how dare you know? And what it's doing is saying, do not share your ideas. And as a human being on this planet, mm-hmm. that is what we are. This That is our alchemy. That is our magic. That is mm-hmm. the thing that we have to share with people. And I go, the other conversation we should have with ourselves is don't be such a sh- selfish jerk as to keep your ideas to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because how do you, how do you know that it's not going to have an enormous impact on somebody else. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that version of the the negative chit chat is a really good reminder, I think, to me of, look, you've been told multiple times that you have some really great ideas by other mm-hmm. people and you're being selfish by not sharing it with others. Mm-hmm, There's a lot mm-hmm. of chat. No wonder you do what you do. Very oh. godmother to the executives who want to live up to their potentials. Yeah. No wonder. Um, tell me a little bit about when you um, 
I think this was 11 years ago, you know, when you became an entrepreneur, 12 um, no, not even. It was only well, five, five years ago. Yeah, it's, and the reason you're confused with the dates is I think when, you know, when I talk about myself, I joke about how there's been a baby entrepreneur inside me since I was mm-hmm. little. My, my mom reminded me the other day that at six, I got into an enormous amount of trouble at school because I learned how to use barter mm-hmm. to get things I wanted that other people had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. colored pencils, um, somebody else's lunch didn't matter. Um, and apparently that was not not so good. But apparently that little entrepreneur has always been inside me. But um, yeah, five, gosh, yeah, five and a half-ish years ago, mm-hmm. I had just come to the end of one of my career adventures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was at Pandora. And I do think, like, this is the the lesson that, or at least the story we are telling all, all of ourselves all the time is that, you know, you're supposed to find the one thing that lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And I go, mm-hmm. even as an entrepreneur, you date an opportunity, you do not marry it, which mm-hmm. means that there is going to be a beginning and an end. And mm-hmm. I had come to the end of my role at Pandora and a couple of things had happened. One, um, I had really had the opportunity to build out my dream vision for the role I had in the company, not only on the technical side and the kind of the product side for what it mm-hmm. is, but mm-hmm. also on the human side. Uh, my team there had gone from 30 to 400 in a little over three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really their big hockey stick moment. And I had said on my very first interview with the CEO that within the area of my expertise that building a team where humans came first was critically important to me. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. I found a leadership team who were like, yes, us too. And they supported that. Um, And so in taking a team and growing it that fast, I had learned a spectacular amount of lessons about humans in the workplace and how they thought and what was the answer to the question of why does my work matter and why is that important to me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In conjunction, I had been invited um, to join this group of other, um, it was about 13 other women who were all women in technology, who were all executives at companies in Silicon Valley area around this question of do you have a platform and are you known? Mm-hmm. Um, because in the world of venture capital, um, what you are known for when it comes to funding, opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is a critical piece of the equation, a critical, mm-hmm. critical piece of the equation. Like investors choose you and then your idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, investors put the people that they know that are the best at X, whatever X is, into the companies they're investing in. Mm-hmm. Um everywhere else. And so we were having a long conversation about this and with this group of people went through really 12 months of curiosity around that idea and what it is we needed to do. And in the process, A, learned that I had what I now described as corporate professional loneliness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know, well, I have, I'm a very extroverted person. I, there, are no, there aren't enough people that can be my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed 
peers who were answering the kind of level questions that I was answering, that were walking the path, not just like me, but enough like me, especially as a woman, that we could recognize some of the challenges that were mm-hmm. unique to our situation. And helped um, you not feel lonely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and were right. trusted advisors. Yeah, they yeah. were women who looked, I say looked like me and sounded like me. We were actually a super diverse in age and skin color. Mm-hmm. What we were diverse in is where we were all professionally. And having somebody mm-hmm. you can go to to really talk about the hard stuff, along with the like what I think is interesting is I think it was 85% of that group of people were the main breadwinners for their family. They had mm-hmm. stay at home husbands. They had husbands who had, or, or didn't have a husband or all various versions of that, but ultimately were the financial driver for safety and security in their future. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole question, I noticed how hard the, owning your expertise and owning why you are uniquely awesome was for all of these women who were amazing. Mm -hmm. And it got me very, very curious about that in general. And, you know, when you have a team going from 30 to 400, like, why do you choose one person over another when you're creating opportunities or create spinning up projects and all of these sorts of things? And it became this drumbeat of obsession for me. And I was standing in line um, when I left Pandora I started experimenting with just what I thought was interesting and ended up doing a project that married my curiosity about 3D printing, my curiosity about podcasting, and the fact that I needed to work on my health and fitness. And I started a podcast called 3D Lila, where I literally 3D printed myself to help myself lose weight because I thought the Mm -hmm. scale was a horrible, judgmental thing and Mm -hmm. I didn't need it in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me invited to speak at TED. And it was standing in line because that, by the way, is the secret of Ted. The the, the, speak, the speakers are amazing, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. The people that you meet standing in line, and I stood in line with Shonda Rhimes at one point, and I just I had a whole fan moment, which kind of blessed <laughs> my mind. And then you go, she's just a normal person like the rest of us. But I was talking with a Microsoft executive, and and I asked her. And she was she was amazing. She ran a very strategic part of the organization in their HoloLens division. And I said to her, I was like, well, what is it you are known for? If I was to ask people about you, what would they say? And she said, oh, I don't know. I guess Microsoft girl. And I laughed and I said, oh, my God, that's super boring. You should fix that. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, she laughed right backwards back to me and said, yeah, I think I should. And she uh ultimately called me about six weeks later and said, wow, that was a really interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. And it, it haunted me a little. And will you, would you come up to Redmond and talk to my team about it? And I said, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, can you send me a proposal? And I went, oh, hang on a second. This is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, it was there that I realized that I had this, because I have been obsessed about this topic of the intersection of relationships and fear and Mm -hmm. future and everything that I realized that I had a really different point of view about it. But I will also say, because that voice in your head is still a bit of a beast. Mm -hmm. When I was there, I did what I'm now known for, which is one of my fairy godmother transformations. I take both men and women are Cinderella's in my world and I transform how they are seen 
both by themselves and by other people. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, if uh, when Cinderella and the fairy godmother met, a all Cinderella said was, "I want to go to the ball." She did not say marriage and happily ever after. She just mm-hmm. said, "I just mm-hmm. want a boogie mm-hmm. prince." And the fairy godmother just sat there and said, "Well." if you want to get to the ball, we're going to have to get you past a whole bunch of decision makers. Mm-hmm. And if you show up in that sad little dress and no shoes, they're not going to let you pass the front gate. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what the fairy godmother did was help her get past all the decision makers, made it easy for other people to say yes to her. Mm-hmm. But what she also did, which I think is part of really the psychological part of, of doing this is she gave Cinderella the conf- confidence mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. gracefully enter down the stairs mm-hmm. with all of the confidence she should. Because um, if Cinderella had snuck in a back door and just said, oh, I'll just, as long as I'm in the ball, he can choose me. The mm-hmm. prince would never have seen her mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to ask her to dance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that, um, that whole idea of Giving her the potential. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. confidence and her potential. And, you know, I have a whole 10 reasons why I actually think Cinderella is awesome, which I will not share. <laughs> We're on a slower show. But I sit here and I go, the reality is, is it doesn't matter. Even I, I have a whole army of fairy godmothers, mm-hmm. but everybody needs a fairy godmother in their life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to say, to infuse them with the confidence to realize that they can then create the space to experiment Mm -hmm. and it's an experimentation and ideas and being intentful about that in Cinderella's case actually going to the ball and what have you that it really magical things start to happen although I will give the fairy godmother bonus points I think the whole shoe on the stairs thing was absolutely a marketing strategy because (sighs) what the shoe was was swag the shoe was basically there to remind the prince why Cinderella was awesome so he could find her. It was like mm-hmm. a customer leave behind there. It's and all a full strategy. When you talk about the fairy godmothers in your life, these these are the men or the women or the both that are able to help you through those sort of difficult times. Is this are these the people that allow you to see your potential, your future when the, you know, ongoing chatter Absolutely. is there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the thing about potential and I call myself a potentialist because this is what also what I do for others. The thing about potential is that while it's about you, it's not about you at all. Mm-hmm. It's actually about how others react to you. Mm-hmm. And when you think about whether you are an entrepreneur, an executive, somebody who's trying to figure out their career, whoever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the thing that happens when we are talking to each other mm-hmm. is we are sitting here saying, what is is there potential for future shenanigans with this person? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so often when we first start talking to somebody or w- we constantly talk about our past or um, what we've done, we don't talk about our potential and what we could do. And I sit here and I go, well, that's the thing mm-hmm, that we all want to connect with. And you can probably even hear in my voice, I get very excited about mm-hmm, the future because mm-hmm. that's there. And I think about, entrepreneurs specifically and I say look you are building the future Mm -hmm. and it's getting people along like you are a fairy godmother too around your idea Mm -hmm. but how do you get as many people as possible to be fairy godmothers with you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tell me something do you think your upbringing has made it harder or easier to master a mindset for success easier Mm -hmm. because because the rules kept changing. 
Mm-hmm. And the sooner I learned that the rules always change, the easier it has been to move from an old rule construct to a new one. We're doing the same. The COVID has forced all of our hands mm-hmm. to create a new rule book. And has this year been easy? No. But am I much more comfortable with pivoting like everybody else has this year? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Because mm-hmm. I am I have strong muscles on new rule books. And lots of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this in our remaining minutes. What do you think good founder DNA looks like? Oh, that is a really great question. I actually don't think there is a certain set of characteristics for anybody. Um, Because this is where I think labels limit us. Because if I mention anything, somebody's going to go, that is me or that isn't me. And the reality is, is that everybody, everybody is actually the CEO, founder, and head of product for you, Inc., mm-hmm. for their own company. Because mm-hmm. time, your time is your product. And so in my head, everybody has entrepreneur DNA. Mm-hmm. And everybody has the potential. And, and quite frankly, everybody is an entrepreneur, just the company might not have a tax ID. Mm-hmm, 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 well, mm-hmm. it is. It's a social security number, right? Or at least mm-hmm, in the US. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to stop, but that was very inspirational. Now we can all go away feeling like we have our futures ahead of us and we just have to kind of go to the ball and get it. Um, I want to thank you very much for sharing with our listeners today your motivation for why you chose to be a female entrepreneur and also how you overcame some of the many and interesting uh, psychological obstacles that you encountered during your journey. Where can people reach out to learn more about your work? Absolutely. Best place is on our website at at joannablore.com. Okay. I'm sure you'll put links in there, but if uh, I'm very active on both LinkedIn mm-hmm. and on Twitter at, at Joanna Bloor on both. And so always up for questions and ideas. And I publish quite a bit on both to share more ideas of how to navigate the future you, whatever journey you're on. Thank you so much for joining me, Joanna. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. We believe in open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud, chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesliekanudsen at dr.lesliekanudsen.com.